0: Strategic Homeland Intervention
1: Enforcement and Logistics Division. Welcome to Level 7. And welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt and joining me as always is Pete. Hello there, Pete. Hello, Matt. Pete, I have a question for you. What is the number one reason that we watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.?
0: Uh, That would be the wonderful Clark Gregg.
1: What is the reason that there is an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series to begin with?
0: The same aforementioned Clark Gregg.
1: Joining us now is a special guest. Hi, it's Clark. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for, uh, for taking some time with us. No problem. I'm also here with Pete, of course.
0: Hello. Hey, Clark, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your schedule is very, very busy.
2: No problem. Sorry it took me so long to, to pull it off.
0: Oh, no problem. Please. Please. Um, so formally like to welcome you here to the Agents of Shield podcast by Fantastic Geek. Um got some questions for you, and we're excited to uh to hear from you today. Great. Um, so can you tell us uh what episode number you're currently filming? Where are you guys in the production schedule as you're finishing off season one here?
2: I'm sorry I can't tell you that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We are finishing up episode eighteen and about to start
0: nineteen. Excellent, excellent. Um, can you tease us anything more at this point as far as where we're headed? The
2: last episode that was on was thirteen.
0: Correct. Um,
2: so where we la- last, where we've really done a lot since then, I'm sure. Uh, there's been these. Uh, crazy breaks that we don't really understand, but have to do with the way the network does things. I guess the, the kind of chronological duration of the season is about 30 some weeks and we only have 22 episodes. So they spread them out. And I know there's one more small break, but I, I'm told, and this can all change because I don't have any power. Uh, <laughs> I'm told the last six in a row uh, are unbroken. Okay. Okay. Um, where we last left us, we had just caught up with Quinn, um, who is an ally of the Clairvoyant. And uh, we had our first introduction to Deathlock. Yep. And, and Agent Sky took two bullets in the stomach, courtesy of Ian Quinn. And that's where we, we left the team, was uh, desperately trying to keep her alive.
0: Absolutely. And and a lot of people, you know, uh, waited with bated breath here for when we pick up on, on March 4th.
2: You know, it's a Joss Whedon show, so they're wise to do so. You never know what's going to happen with one of these characters and who's going to survive. Um, I guess what there's so little that I can kind of give away partly because I don't like spoilers myself, but I think we, you know, what's clear is all the efforts all the efforts of the team and certainly of Colson uh, are going to go into taking whatever measures are necessary to try to find a way to save sky.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Uh, so that's really what's focused on next. And I guess what I can say is the two bullets in the stomach are not something that most people survive. So they're probably going to have to resort to pretty extreme measures to keep her alive. Even though she's an 084, we don't really know what that means.
0: Right. And it's already been announced. The title of the next episode is Tahiti. So we know uh, some magical stuff might be at play there.
2: Um, That's a really interesting idea. That's a really interesting theory. (laughs) Tahiti is certainly a place that managed to bring Agent Coulson through a very uh, dangerous medical experience. So That certainly is a a theory that seems grounded in some sound logic. Well,
0: it's a magical place, and uh, a magical place where we've had the pleasure of seeing you before has been New York Comic Con. We're over here on the East Coast. Saw you in 2011 and in 2012, and actually we saw uh, Ian and Elizabeth were there this year. Mm -hmm. You're really great with the fans, and you really get what this character means with people, with his everyman appeal. Um, you play or you voice Agent Coulson in the movies, in cartoons, on TV, even in the video game. Love the Lego Marvel Superheroes video game. The only place you don't play him is in the comics, probably because there's not a way to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like uh, <laughs> I let that one slide because that's, not, you know, I, I play him as much in the comics as I could. They had an earlier version of him in one of the comics that really didn't look much like me. But the, the version of Coulson that shows up in Deadpool, while well, certainly better than, than I look, on, even on a good day, is, uh, <laughs> is much more like me than, than some of the earlier ones.
0: So many actors are afraid of being typecast in a role, and you've really committed to Coulson. Uh, taking him to TV presented a challenge, though, uh, as the head of the team. What's it uh, like going from being the everyman to the man on this TV show? You know, it's kind
2: of, it's got all the things. It's, it's funny how much doing the TV show, art imitates life in that suddenly, you know, I went from a guy who showed up a couple of days a week to have some of the funnier lines and then get out of the way while, you know, Hulk smashed uh, whatever needed smashing. <laughs> suddenly Agent Coulson, uh, he's there every day kind of from first shot to the last for the most part. And he's leading a team of people who've never really done this before, you know, with the possible exception of Agent May and to a different extent, Agent Ward. And uh, that's very much, you know, what my life has been like. The, uh, it's a bunch of young actors, again, with the exception of uh, Ming. And uh, it's been really interesting and helpful in a way to have that dynamic really work, really the first 10, 12 episodes was really about us trying to come together as a team and figure out how to function. It was about agent Colson kind of trying to, and Clark trying to kind of learn the difference between being a kind of a support personnel agent for, for Nick Fury and, and uh, Clark to go, you know, to go from being someone as a support personnel on, on a cast list to the guy kind of running the show, uh, within the cast. And, um, it's, uh, it's actually really helpful to kind of have these actors really start to mesh and blend and work together better as the season goes along, very much in sync with the way the members of the team are doing the same thing.
0: Definitely. I mean, you mentioned your your cast. You have a wonderful cast. I mean, you've got the consummate pro in Ming-Na Wen, and you've got, you know, this uh, talented, fresh-faced quartet. It looks like you guys have a lot of fun on screen and off, you know, Twitter and Instagram and the social media. So I hit uh, 2 million followers on Facebook the other day, eating the ice cream with, uh, with Chloe uh, was great. What's it like on the set with them?
2: You know, uh, most actors you talk to, they they've all been on a job when there's one or more people in the cast who, you know, they don't get along with or who are crazy or whatever they might be. And, uh, <laughs> it really, it's a hard enough job. The hours are really long and you have to really be on and up and really, you know, it's hard enough to do without those distractions. So we kind of turned and I think Joss feels the same way. That's it's one of the things we kind of clicked on. It's a really fun job if you don't bring any baggage to the table or at least not baggage that bothers anybody else. And, uh, you know, he did a great job of kind of finding people who were grateful to be there. And that's half the battle. So I kind of turned around halfway through the pilot and went, wow, this is really lucky because we, none of us have ever met before and we really get along. And again, you kind of watch carefully, you know, as the pressures of a long season, 22 episodes of an action television show that's kind of bigger than almost any show that's been done. Uh, It would tend to kind of wear where those relationships stand in any group. And this group is tighter than the, the beginning of the season. We actually kind of are excited when we actually have to go up to a some kind of press event or a Marvel premiere and we actually get to hang out. <laughs> so we're really lucky that it turned out that way.
1: Well that's fantastic to hear. Could you could you give us something that the viewers may not realize about your castmates?
2: Um what i mean I feel like you kind of it's funny how there's a lot of ways that they're very similar to the character that they portray <laughs> and other ways that they're not um I think that the the inherent big heartedness and sweetness uh and and a very sharp mind uh of gemma Simmons um is so much also who elizabeth Henstridge is I think there's a kind of naughty sense of humor that she's got that really <laughs> constantly takes me by surprise. Um, uh, the same as Ian is, you know, he got to kind of be the other half of that symbiotic arrangement for the first half of the season, but he's really talented comedian mm-hmm. in terms of his comic acting. And I think some of in the, in the hub, when you see this like Charlie Chaplin-esque bit that he came up with <laughs> for trying to get this, kind of cart through these glass doors. <laughs> he's he's really funny and and really um particular and you know he doesn't like social media. He's really freaked out by it and all we do is torture him and torment <laughs> him and try to get him to try to be on Twitter and he won't do it. And that <laughs> that really directly led to the kind of really heating up prank war between he and Chloe.
0: Okay. Um
2: uh I Chloe Chloe is uh, I don't know. It's funny. I, I might, I care about her as much as Colson cares about Skye. She and I have just become this really strange kind of, I wouldn't say it's father daughter. I would say it's more kind of older brother. She's, she, on the one hand, she's the youngest. And at the same time, she, a lot of times she's ends up giving us all advice. She's got five brothers and she's just couldn't be tougher and more game to try anything. She, even when she doesn't have fights going on, uh, in the show, she's in there boxing huh. and trying to become kind of more lethal <laughs> just <laughs> in her own time. Um, I think people would be surprised how warm and silly Ming is capable of being. She's just as tough as Agent May is, but there's kind of, I, you know, it's fun to see her, again, a little bit raunchy sense of humor, make, make the oldest, most seasoned members of the crew the male, the male members of the crew blush, Um, (laughs) you know, she can find a double entendre in places that none of us had even, it hadn't even occurred to any of us. Um, I, I think Brett's, I don't know, Brett in a, Brett, in a lot of ways, he's just as enigmatic and got more layers going on and kind of focused and determined as Ward is. And at the same time, I think it's probably for the best that people don't hear his giggle. Because <laughs> once every three or four episodes, something really gets him gets him going, and there's just a, a giggle fit that comes out of Agent Ward that I think might destroy the illusion. Wow. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, on top of that, real family, we've just had such Bill Paxton and Saffron Burroughs and Stan Lee and uh just uh Titus Welliver just some of our guest stars that have come in again they the they're tremendously fun Max Hernandez who plays Sitwell uh it's really fun to kind of have these characters that have shown up in the shorts of the films show up
1: absolutely absolutely it it sounds it sounds fantastic and we fans we i think we love hearing the the work day holiday uh hollywood stuff rather how long it takes to be in the makeup chair dealing with special effects that you can't see and all that what is an average day like uh in in filming agents of shield
2: you know they really vary tremendously about half our time we're you know we're at our mysterious sound stages uh, that i'm not allowed to even reveal the location of, and there there's you know the plane the various sets Colson's office, the different parts of the airplane, but then they also, you know, they build tremendous sound stages and, and different locations that we're going to. And then the other days, we're off uh, in different parts of Los Angeles and sometimes the world for a couple of days, uh, filming the various, uh, you know, missions and location shots. Um, the makeup isn't too bad for the most parts, you know. Uh, I don't envy. Jay August, who's such a saint, about getting into his Deathlock makeup. A lot of us at different times—God knows, Tahiti. When I went to the magical place in episode 111, there was—I got a taste of some of that mm-hmm. makeup courtesy of the the torturing that was being done to me by Rana and the clairvoyant. Um, but you know, and and at the same time, there are hours where you show up and you're just there to try to learn the fight choreography and to make it look as kind of brutal and real as you, as you want it to.
0: Definitely. Clark, you played Coulson periodically in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor and the Avengers. What's the best part though of playing a character every week now?
2: Um, Just the, the the, re, the reality that he's back and doing, you know, still here. I, I loved so much what Joss did with the, character in the Avengers kind of revealed the fanboy that he was, the nerd that he was, and at the same time, give him this heroic, fantastic death with a couple of great lines. I was really, you know, I felt very grateful just to have had that experience. You know, people say, well, how do you feel about being in comic book movies? And I, you know, beyond being someone who loves those kind of movies and comics themselves, you know, what Joss wrote for that character and certainly sometimes what Favreau and everyone else gave to that character it's as good as I've had in any other movie, you know? And um, so I was really grateful just to have had that much. So then when they, you know, brought him back for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was thrilled and I was excited. You know, the big action sequence happens and I don't leave so that, you know, Tony Stark comes out in his armor and fights, I have to suit up and go into combat. And that was a thrill. I guess I would say the the biggest thrill so far in any of it, and this sounds like a pitch, but it's really the truth, is the last five episodes we've done, the ones that haven't aired yet. I feel like so much about what we did in the first half of the season was about establishing these new characters, building their rapport, establishing the world and the, the kind of clairvoyant and centipede and really establishing the world of this show and this team and kind of the mystery of what Coulson's doing alive. And now a lot of that stuff is starting to pay off in ways that I think as a fan of that world and the fan of the comics, the setups are paying off the ways that it connects to the larger Marvel universe. Deathlock is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, As a fan of that stuff, the way, the way that it's now all coming together, I can't wait for people to see where it's going. I think it's going to really blow some minds because the last four or five scripts, we get them and everyone... I realize that other people have gotten the script because I'm shooting when my phone blows up with the other cast members (laughs) um, texting each other about the reveals. They've had to top secret red pages. And we, you know, everyone thinks they've read the script and then we have special pages that come in at the last minute before we gather to do the table read in this room. And everyone finds out some huge new development about who, who really this character really is. And it's just, as a fan of that stuff, I love it.
1: Well, you mentioned how the, how the show has evolved and, and how in those early episodes it was, it was establishing things. Uh, there was a little bit of, of stir regarding uh, a comment that you had made to the Salt Lake Tribune about, uh, about some of the people who had uh, checked out of the show prematurely. Uh, obviously, there was a, a bit of a rush to judgment by some people in those first 5, 10 episodes. Um, but you got the, the uh, season order early. The ratings are stable. The show's quality has gone through the roof. Can you just give us a little bit of background there on, on um, you know, your thoughts on the people who checked out early? Uh, You know, I'm really glad you brought brought that up. We had a long
2: press day at the end of a long day of shooting. And I was really, uh, I'm very protective of my young co-stars, very protective of the people who write the show. I was sitting on my, you know, my plane and uh, a guy stepped forward with what felt like unnecessarily harsh comments about the show. And it really took me by surprise. And I I tried to deflect the snark by making a really dumb snarky joke um, <laughs> where I called the people who had checked out. I said, you know, those I, I don't think those are true geeks. Those are losers. And there's a whole true geek versus not true geek dialogue that I, it was a dumb comment that I really honestly regret uh, that was meant to be a joke. And it really didn't translate as a joke. I don't think anybody's a loser. And if someone <laughs> checked out a show, that's absolutely their prerogative. It was one of those, You know, I'm actually surprised knowing me and how feisty I get, especially (laughs) when I'm feeling protected. I'm actually surprised this hasn't happened before, (laughs) but uh, I was really sorry to have hurt the feelings of people who had checked out. And yet I stand behind the idea that I think they checked out prematurely. I think sometimes when uh, we're establishing brand new characters in a world where people are used to characters that have been around 30, 40 years, um, it takes a little while to kind of find the way to do this medium to do shield on TV within the network format with the network, people having their ideas, the writers of our show, having a real vision, Marvel having a vision. It just, I think I I was imploring for patience, and I did it. I did it in a clumsy way. Um, You know, that said, I think the people who have stuck around and are really, they're going to get a huge payoff in what's coming in the next six or seven episodes. And I was really happy to see the response, even to the beginning of all that in the episode that aired last tracks. Cause I, there was a lot mm-hmm. of the response really, I feel like people were starting to get, Oh, this is, this is where it's going. And I think they were seeing why I felt that way. But, you know, again, uh, I left alone at the end of a long day. <laughs> I can make a snarky comment that I, that I absolutely will want to roll back.
0: That's all right. That's all right. Um, you mentioned the plan. We know Marvel doesn't do anything without a plan, but was there a plan with Coulson from the get-go, uh, Iron Man through Avengers, when you first got the part, any idea that this would become what it's become?
2: Certainly no idea for me, and I really don't believe there was any idea from Marvel. i I've always been so impressed by Kevin and Jeremy, um, who were the Marvel guys I got to know first, because there was something kind of cool that happened quickly with Colson. It was really, honestly, it was like 10 lines, maybe less in the original Iron Man script, but there was something about it that clicked. And they're very nimble and they react to what's working. And they started adding scenes, and John Favreau was responsible for this, and I think to a certain extent Robert Downey was too. There was something that's about the nature and the need for having someone like Colson. I got very lucky because to have someone there who was kind of being sarcastic back to Tony Stark and was was just something that would really serve a purpose and they they exploited it and I was very lucky to be part of that. And you know, by the time it got to the end and I was having the scene where Pepper Potts was saying thanks for everything. First of all, as a geek I nearly died. Um, <laughs> but also I realized you know how much this guy'd become so when they asked him to come back and do a couple of bits in Iron Man 2, I thought that was nice. And you know, then during the scene, you know, down at the with the with the early prototype of Cap Shield that he's using to prop up this reactor he's building. They say, "Oh God!" tell The first couple of takes it wasn't like this. They kind of came over and said, "Oh, tell him you're going to New Mexico." And I said, "Okay." And I just did it because I always do. And, <laughs> and I said, "Why? What? What's in New Mexico? Why am I saying that?" And the the executives laughed and said, well, "Has no one told you? You you Agent Colson is a big deal in Thor. He's kind of running the show. He's the one who finds the hammer." <laughs> And it's kind of been like that every step of the way. I've been, I've told the story a bunch, you know. And Joss coming up to me after, right before the Thor, Thor panel. Again, here's Joss Whedon coming up to introduce himself, which was hilarious on its own. And, and then to say, I, you know, I have, a, I have a lot for you to do in the Avengers. Can I introduce you with the cast? We're secretly introducing the cast of the Avengers, and I want you to walk on stage with them. At that point, I was looking around like, this is the Make a Wish Foundation, and no one <laughs> told me. That I've got weeks to live. And so when the call came in from Marvel a couple of months later saying, Joss wasn't kidding, you have a really big part in the Avengers. And I said, This is, you're going to, again, you're going to kill me uh, by telling me these things. They, they said, No, what happens to you is what brings the Avengers together. I thought, oh, oh, well, it's been a beautiful ride. It's been a beautiful ride. And now it's going to be over. And I, I really think that they just kind of, each individual writer-director team kind of came in and saw something different they could do with Colson. And I would sit down with them and say, okay, so who am I this time? here?" And I would learn more about the guy every time, you know, to the most, to the fullest extent with Joss, who had kind of taken all those pieces and really jumped on the everyman quality of the guy so that, you know, when he called and said, we think you might not be so dead, you know, we think there might be a Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show Again, I went out to dinner and they said, here's what we're thinking. We don't really know. We don't really know much. We know that there's a version of how he came back to life that he believes and that the truth is much darker. Um, That I loved. I was immediately in, you know, the idea that he's carrying around a much deeper trauma and that what was done to keep him alive um, doesn't come without a terrible cost. I thought was so interesting in in a world where so many people are trauma survivors and so many soldiers are coming back with this trauma in their body that they can't quite make sense of to have Phil Coulson be, that was very meaningful to me and to kind of have that story evolve and to kind of gradually learn what that meant. And to myself see for the first time when I watched it on TV with my daughter, what was going on in the magical place Mm -hmm. and to see hints that alien technology. I I don't know what that was operating on his brain, but I know that I've never seen it in a, in a human hospital, Um, you know, suggested all kinds of questions to me about what was done to keep this guy alive and why, because it can't just be because he's a good time at parties.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's such a beloved character. And, you know, it's that love that people have for him that made that uh, magical place episode uh, while a great watch, a tough watch, um, but you know, you you mentioned the the killing off in Avengers. You know, to be honest, Iron Man three, Thor the Dark World. You know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It hasn't been the same without you. Uh, it's-,
2: I, 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 it's, it's nice for you to say. You know, it's some people say. You know, do you worry about playing this guy so much? I'm lucky. I've done a lot of stuff. If you know, if people stopped wanting me to do the other stuff. Eh. I don't see that happening, but even if it did, this is so special to me as someone who kind of grew up loving these kind of these kind of things and the way that the fans did this hashtag Colson lives movement after he died. I mean, all you really want to do is connect with people and there's something about this guy that connects with people and that it's so meaningful to me. And I found it's kind of transcended. It's transcended a job. To mm-hmm. me, okay. It's funny, I was we were doing a scene, and there was something where one of the characters was not being honest with Colson, and I found myself, mm-hmm. myself, Clark, really upset and indignant. And I thought, I, I can't really feel the dis- the difference between me and this guy. I was so outraged. And there was another question that I felt Colson had to know the answer to. And th- th- that the Colson had to uh, when we did the, the Magical Place episode, it was as traumatic a week as I've been through.
0: Wow. Uh,
2: as an actor, just because it brought up so much stuff. It's, you live with a character this long and, you know, there's parallels between his journey and mine. You know, certainly that's what an actor tries to find to make it feel real. And it's just uh, his journey, his frustrations. They live in me. <laughs> they don't tell me much. I've asked them to keep it that way. Every once in a while, they have to sit down and go, look, you have to know this in order to do your job. Here's a few things you're going to find out in the next two episodes. And then I deal with it. But mostly, I don't want to know more than he knows, because that frustration uh, fuels what I do. And I, you know, it's one of the things I really feel Joss does and inspired me to is there's nothing to look down at in this universe, you know. One of the things I love about science fiction and the comics is, it's it's cosmic, it's grand scale, it's you know it's life and death stuff. It's any actor would be lucky to get to do the stuff I get to do. He's finding out who he is now, and he's actually and it's now that he's back from the dead, come on, who gets to do that on a on a regular hospital drama?
1: <laughs> well, you you mentioned your affinity for the character, and and you referenced the the fan affinity for the character. Uh, when we saw Avengers on opening night, we, we saw it in a packed theater. And right after Coulson died, the theater, was, there was just stunned silence. And then there was a, a young man, maybe 13 or 14. And he said, man, this is some bull crap, except he said yeah. the other word. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that kind of encapsulates how the fans feel, that, that there really is just this, this fantastic appreciation for, for <laughs> Agent Coulson. And, and it's you know, become the backbone of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
2: You know, when the, when they first were telling me about his demise, I think Kevin and, and Jeremy were saying, you know, there's not, you know, everyone's going to be really, you know, you're the heart, of the glue. Uh, everyone's going to be broken up when when your character gets killed. And I said, are you sure? Because he can really be snarky and annoying. I, I really, I don't know. I hope you're right. That would be a good thing for the Avengers if people cared. And so I was in some of those early screenings and heard people gasp. And I went one. Some dude was very loud. He was like, "No, not that dude. I love that." Dude. <laughs> it just it made it made my, my month, my year. It's it's. I love the people connect with him.
0: So you talk about the connection. And I love like
2: hashtag, love, love that, Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: You talk about the connection, and you mentioned before hashtag Colson lives. It was twen- trending on Twitter very soon after. Did you have any idea you'd return? Was that death? You know, goodbye. It was a finale, or you know, suddenly the door opened. How how did that work?
2: You know, every once in a while, Kevin or Marvel or even Josh, who I think felt guilty because he knew he was ending my run at a long at a long job I'd had. um, They'd say, "It's Marvel. How dead could he be?" But it really felt like they were. They were kind of like easing the pain of the, of this, <laughs> you know, I was the, I was the weird actor who loved this character so much. I was kind of a mess that I had to show up and meet Loki. Um, and all the takes the day that Loki was stabbing me, there's a whole bunch of outtakes. I'm kind of surprised they didn't make it to the thing where me go, I'm the glue man. Don't do this. I'm the glue. And um, I'm waiting on rewrite pages from the governor <laughs> but they, you know, they just kind of smiled, and pretty soon there was a lot of blood on the floor, and I was really dead, and uh, and I didn't hear anything for a while, and I thought, wow, I hope they, I hope I'm going to get a call someday. And every once in a while, I'd bump into somebody from Marvel, and they say I was in a bunch of meetings where they were talking about ways to bring you back, and I said, how'd that go? And they say, yeah, nobody came up with anything good. <laughs> and then somebody said, I heard your funeral. I heard Colson's funeral is in um, Thor Two. Somebody put it online and I, okay. someone tweeted it to me and I was like, oh God, once he has a funeral, he's really dead. I thought, wow, I've really, I've been in denial. I, I, uh, I got to really do business with this. And I think I sent a text to Kevin saying, he's really dead, isn't he? And Kevin never responded. And I thought, oh God, he doesn't even take my calls. And, um, <laughs> and then like a week later, I got the call from uh, Jeff Loeb and Joss
1: that's fantastic.
2: I think the Coulson-Lives thing was one of the main reasons they did it. I don't think they were planning on it. it just it's, As I said, Marvel's a cool company. They care what the fans say. And they really responded to the reaction to this guy. And I don't think anybody was more surprised than they were.
1: In addition to being an actor, you're also a, a writer and a director. Um, and then, of course, there are there are other actors who've used TV to get into the director's chair, like uh, like Jonathan Frakes, who had directed uh, an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode this season. Do you think that we're ever going to see you directing a shield episode or maybe even directing a Marvel movie?
2: Um, but I would love to, at some point, they, they certainly have a magnificent way of taking care of directors who haven't done a lot of big visual effects movies. This independent film that I made called trust me, that's coming out in may actually had some visual effects and I found I really enjoyed playing with them and making that a part of the story. I'm sure at some point I'm going to beg them to let me direct the Marvel's agents of shield, but I, uh, It's so demanding just to pull off my work as an actor in that show so far. I just can't conceive of it.
0: One thing we've learned about uh, Colson on TV, Clark, is that he's made some time with the ladies. Uh, The constant has remained, however, the cellist first mentioned in the Avengers. She's come up on the show. Uh, We have to imagine we're going to see her at some point. You've starred with your lovely wife, Jennifer Grey, before uh, you did a movie, The Road to Christmas, in 2006. We want to formally get behind the campaign that she'll play the cellist.
2: Oh, that's funny. Yes, uh, I, I'm always happy when I get to act with her. Um, I don't know if, if at some point I would imagine because the fans want it, we will see the cellist. I, as of yet, do not get to pick who, who plays the parts on the show. I'm sure they'll, uh, I'm sure she'll be in consideration.
1: The, the show has kind of uh, rather famously kind of moved into the the serial format, let's say, in the, the middle three, four, five episodes. The, the buzz is that these final nine will be uh, very serial. Um, can you give us a sense? Will season two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stick with that serial format?
2: I don't know, honestly. The, as I said, I, I, I'm aware of what's roughly what's going on in, in the next script, and, I, and that's all I know. You know, they I don't even know what's going to happen in the in the final three after that. So they're good about talking to me about kind of directions of stuff where things that might kind of recur or come back. But I don't know. I'll probably sit down with uh, the terrific writers, Jed and Marissa and Jeff Bell and at the end of the season and kind of talk about what, what they're thinking.
0: Clark, we know you have a 12-year-old daughter. Um, you know We have a friend who has two daughters, uh, one of which is also 12. Uh, her name's Jane, and they love the show. They can't wait to get to it each week. Even the reruns, they gobble it up. Oh, right. um, 12-year-old Jane has a question for Agent Coulson, if yeah. we can address him for a moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 12-year-old Jane from Point Pleasant, New Jersey asks... Do the Avengers know you're alive, and what do you think their reactions will be when they find out you are alive? Um, you
2: know, I, I haven't... Uh, I don't believe that any of them do. I would never put anything past Agent Romanoff, because she, she seems to know a lot. Um, it's certainly a secret. One thing we've learned about S.H.I.E.L.D. and we will continue to learn about is that the compartmentalization... We'll have to break that down for, for our young friend. Um, in S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> Uh, goes very deep and unless they need to know it they probably don't know it when they find out I have a feeling they'll be pretty upset and I can't really blame them I hope we'll get to I hope we'll get to have that showdown at some point
0: Clark it's been an absolute pleasure you've been so gracious with your time is there anything else you'd like to uh, to throw out there about the show about the Marvel Cinematic Universe before we say goodbye here
2: no, I'm just uh, I'm really grateful to you guys for what you do and your interest in the show. You, you and some other fans and some kind of podcasters have done really a great job at spreading the word and kind of, I don't know, keeping people interested in the show. We really appreciate it. And, you know, all the actors, we sit there between takes when they're, light, when they're lighting, we're reading what you do and being really impressed by it. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, uh, that certainly is kind of you to say. And, uh, thank you again for joining us.
2: My pleasure. I'm sure I'll be back at some point.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you. Take care now. Pete, what a thrill it was to speak with Clark. And we're so honored to, uh, to have had him share some of his time with us. A reminder to our listeners that agents of shield returns on Tuesday, March 4th. And, uh, I'm just completely excited for the remaining nine episodes, Pete. Can't wait. Now, A reminder as well to our listeners that we would love to hear back from you, particularly about this episode. We think it was a special one. Uh, You can say hello to us on Twitter, where we are Fantastic Geek, that is with a PH in it. You can send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com. You can visit the webpage, fantasticgeek.com. And lastly, you too can have your voice on the podcast, although perhaps a teensy bit less prominently than one Clark, Greg, uh, You can call 732-707-1815 and uh, leave a message for up to three minutes.
0: We also love hearing from you. Uh, feedback, you can leave that at fantasticgeek.com. We also love to hear the feedback on iTunes, and you can
1: leave a review. If you'd like to say hello to us on our personal Twitters, I am Looking Back Lost. Pete, who are you? I am at Peter, P I E T E R
0: J. Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R.
1: And with that, friends, we will say adios for now, and we look forward to talking to you all again soon, perhaps ahead of the March 4th return, and if not, we'll be back podcasting each week that the show airs. So with that, Pete, I will say adios to our listeners, and let you have your final word. It's
0: always great at Level 8. Level 8.